Pole. Who's excited to be here today? Come on, give somebody a high five as you sit down. Thank you. We're welcome at Chester County Jail. Man, you guys are excited today. And you had to work through all the parking fiasco out there. Come on, you're such a good church, aren't you? Amazing. Man, it is incredible to be here today. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. I wanted to start off by just telling you honestly how thankful I am for all of you. I am so thankful for this church. I'm thankful to be a pastor on our team. How many know God's doing some incredible things at the chapel? Come on, how many know that? Man. You know, if you're new here today, we welcome you. We're so thankful that you get to be a part of here and what all that God's doing. But what we want to let you know, what God is doing at the chapel right now is it's not a move of man. It's a move of God. How many know that? And I know you get to see all the parking out there and you get to see all the things going on. I want to just give thanks to a few people, you know, before I get started, if that's okay. I feel like Paul in the New Testament got to do that at the start of his letters. I feel like I should be able to do that right before I preach today. And I'll tell you that when you look around what's happening in this church, I think about first Wednesday we just had, and what an incredible time that was. Come on, right? And, and our, our students, and what God's doing in the life of our kids, and, and different ministries that are happening at this church. I think about building. When I pulled up today, my son is the first time he saw it. I've been seeing it gradually happen all week, okay? So maybe you, you had this kind of expression that my oldest son, Caleb, had. But when he, pu- he pulled up, he was like, oh my goodness, you know? Like a comet hit the place. Like it just exploded, right? But I want you to know, this doesn't happen overnight, and I want to give honor where honor is due. John Maxwell actually says this. He says, everything rises and falls on leadership. And I just want to honor Pastor Brandon and Katie. We love you guys so much. Appreciate you. Yes. I've had the privilege of working together with this amazing team and under Pastor Brandon and Katie for seven years. And I'll tell you guys, you guys are the real deal leaders, and we're so thankful for you. And all that God is doing here is because of the yes that you guys have given. And so church, I tell you, we get to benefit from it. I'm so thankful for what God's doing in this place. I'm honored to be a part of it. And uh, one last thing I want to say is you leave today, you're going to get another QR code. I know you came in with one for Women's Night. You're going to leave with one more. That's kind of exciting. Um, but it is actually going to be um, some music that we are releasing as a church. All right. So who, who's enjoyed the choir so far? Come on. Well, now you get to take the choir home with you. Okay. So we've had an amazing team member. He's actually in the service. He's not going to like this, but I'm going to do it. Brandon, can you just stand up? I see you right there, Brandon. Come on. This is Brandon, everybody. Brandon actually helps to oversee a lot of the audio stuff, but he was the one who actually put this together and grabbed some of the audio tracks from some of our favorite moments of First Wednesday. And so you get to take that with you as you leave. But I'll tell you, I wish you could see what I see every single week, week in and week out. We have production and worship team members that get here early in the morning. And I know the winter's coming, so you're going to have to scrape off the frost off of your shield, you know, in the morning. And then they stay here all day. We have a team that's here in the morning, a whole different team that's here in the evening. Every first Wednesday, people are coming. There's even a guy, he's actually playing drums today. He'll come, he works in Newport News, and he drives all the way up, skips dinner, doesn't go home, comes right the first Wednesday. And I'm so thankful for the teams and all the things that God's doing in the life of our church. Can we just give it up for our, all of our worship production teams one more time? I know some are watching online, some are behind the cameras in the other room. We love you guys. You are amazing. All right, well, hey, I'm excited to preach today. We're going to continue our series on the life of Joshua, and it's forward. If you want to open up your Bibles, Joshua chapter 3, we're going to look at the entire chapter of Joshua, and I'm excited to preach about Joshua today because it is my son Joshua's birthday today. Come on. So if you see Joshua, say hi to him, give him a high five. I told him, I was like, son, I'm preaching on the life of Joshua today. He's like, you're preaching about me? I'm like, not necessarily. I said, but... 
on your birthday, I am preaching about Joshua. So if you want, you can say hi to him and let him know. But hey, we're going to jump right in. This is an amazing moment in the life of the Israelites. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They've been seeing God do some miraculous things, and they're about to step foot on the promised land. That's where this moment is in the Old Testament. This is something that their ancestors have talked about. They're so excited about this anticipation that has built in their hearts for years. They've heard stories about it. They're mesmerized by what God has done. And now they're coming to the Jordan. But before they can walk into the promised land, God's going to do something majorly big in their life. They're going to cross the Jordan. How many know that today God wants to do some amazingly big things in your life? That God wants to work in power. He wants to do miraculous things in your life. How many know that we serve a miracle working God? Come on, church. Come on, let me say it again. How many know that we serve a miracle working God? We are living in a time and an age, I want you to hear this, where faith is so important. It is so vital in our lives. So today, what I want to do is I want to talk about what it looks like to set ourselves up for a move of God, to what it looks like to set ourselves up for a work of God, what it looks like to set ourselves up for the miraculous things of God. So let's jump right in today. This is Joshua chapter three. They're at the Jordan, and it says, Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. It's two million people. Think about this. Two million people. Joshua has just been transferred over leadership from Moses, and now he is finishing something that Moses was not able to step into, but he passed off to Joshua. He and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Let's pray over the message today. God, we thank you so much that you are a miracle-working God, that you're a God that works in power. You're a God that astonishes us, Father. You're a God that's working even when we don't see that you're at work. Father, I pray that faith would arise in the room today. I pray that hope would rise in our hearts today, Jesus. Because God, if you've said it, we believe it, God. You're a God that does it before and you'll do it again, Jesus. We love you. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen. Listen, in order to set yourself up for a miracle, to see a move of God, to be astonished by him, just like the people of Israel, here's what we gotta do. We have to do this. That was a good scripture. It looks like I had a lot more that I didn't do. I'm sorry, everybody. But we will come back to it. I promise that. One more. There you go. Okay. Here's what we have to do, and that is this. We've got to be willing to wait. How many people in the room like to wait? Come on, let me see those hands. None of you like to wait, right? How many know waiting isn't easy? I don't like to wait. I don't like to wait in traffic. I don't like to wait at the grocery store. I don't like to wait for my food. I'm the guy in the grocery store where I bring all my kids and I disperse them to the different lines, right? And the first line that it, come on, I, we all go that way. I'm that annoying guy that just cuts out a line and just like, really, you're going to do that, you know? Or I'm the guy when I'm driving where I'm at a red light and I'm looking ahead of me being like, okay, what? What row is the truck in, all right? Come on. You know you don't want to be behind a truck. You know this. Or a bus or a trailer. And you're like thinking, I'm going to get into the next lane. And there's even times I'm thinking, how could I pull it off and just pull on the shoulder? What could I say to a police officer? I know there's some in here and out there. I'm sorry. I have not done that, but I've contemplated it. But the truth is this. Willingness to wait on God and follow his lead actually sets you up for a move of God. And in Joshua chapter 3, some of those verses that we missed, we're coming right back to. And in Joshua chapter 3, 
It says that they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, so they're sitting at the camp for three days before they pass over. The promised land's on the other side. It says the officers went ahead of them. But I want you to take note of this word before, because this word before only really is in the passage, chapter three and four, about one time. But the word passes over, you can see countless times. How many know that we enjoy the passing over seasons than we do the before seasons, right? Like the before seasons are difficult for us. I don't know about you, but I love the passing over seasons more than I love the before. And that's because it's not fun to wait in the before. And there's this idea of, of waiting process and this idea of moving process in this passage. And the waiting process, I want you to hear this, it produces things in us that actually prepare us for the move. And in the waiting, God is preparing us. He's pruning us for the work he's going to do through us. And so we cannot cheat the waiting time. In fact, in Joshua 3, 5, it says this. Then Joshua said to the people, he said, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. In fact, here's what you could do. Consecrate yourself. You can put the word in today before the word tomorrow. How many know that we just love tomorrow, don't we? Come on. I love tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be amazing, isn't it? Come on, how many know that tomorrow's always better than today, right? We wait for tomorrow because tomorrow's just going to be outstanding. Tomorrow's going to be what we're waiting for. You wait. God's going to move in my life tomorrow. But see, the thing is, this is God's wanting to do something in your life today that's preparing you for tomorrow. But we love tomorrow. There's even songs about tomorrow, right? There's this great Annie song from the musical Annie. Come on. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. All right, thanks everybody for that. I did it at 8.15, and it, you know what? I really did it for my wife. She's right up front. She loves musicals, and I just can't stand musicals, so you are welcome for that one. But come on, tomorrow's amazing, isn't it? Tomorrow's going to be amazing. It is. But God wants to work in your life today because of what he wants to do in your life tomorrow. And you can't discount what God is doing in your life today just because you know that God wants to do something tomorrow. And maybe you're waiting for a miracle. Don't discount what God is doing right now in this moment. Because this moment, this day, matters in your life. It matters in your life. In fact, the Bible even says things like today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. But we love to get through waiting as quick as we can. Come on, that's why at the grocery store, I'm, I'm like looking around, at the, I can't sit in traffic. I got nowhere to be too, and I just don't want to wait in traffic. And you know, if you look at people when they're driving, let's be real, I won't make you raise your hands, but even people are now multitasking on their phone while they're driving, right? Come on, I am not guilty of that at all, I promise you. You know, the other day, actually not the other day, a few months ago, um, our microwave broke in our house. And, um, you know, we had all intention to fix our microwave. We were like, you know what? We are going to fix this microwave, but we just haven't. So it's been like months now that we've used our microwave. And it's funny how you can get used to things that you once did all the time that were so normal that aren't normal anymore. And we're like, man, how, how do we ever live without a microwave? It's so easy to live without a microwave. In fact, we've gotten so used to living without a microwave. The other day I asked Bridge, I was like, hey, where's the bread? She's like, it's in the bread box. I'm like, the bread box? She's like, yeah, the microwave. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. The bread box, you know, I open it up and I get the bread out. I'm like, this is what it's used for now. Like we use the microwave to store bread in there and things like that, you know? And you know what I realized? Even though it takes a lot longer to prepare, it tastes a lot better. Come on, how many know that's true? 
All the holistic people in the room are amen me real quietly right now. They're like, that's right, you preach. But the truth is this. They taste a lot, it tastes a lot better when you prepare your food outside of the microwave. And I didn't realize that I was actually cheapening my leftover experience. Come on. I have a whole new passion for my leftovers now. But here's the truth. When you try to fast track what God is wanting to produce in your life, you end up with a cheaper version of what God has for you. Like that's what I want us to hear is that, is that when we try to fast track what God is doing today, we actually cheapen what he's going to actually do tomorrow. And we can be so focused on the end result that we lose sight of the process that God has us in. I don't know about you, but I don't like that word process. But God loves that word. Because he's actually doing something in the process that's preparing us for the promise. That's what he does. In fact, I wrote it down this way. What God does in us as we wait is often much more important than what we're waiting for. It's so true, isn't it? He's the author, the perfecter of our faith. He knows the, the beginning from the end. He's not surprised by any change up, by any obstacle in your life right now. What he's actually doing is he's producing something inside of you during the waiting season. He's doing something that we can't do if we don't choose to wait. You know, listen to this. The Israelites had a doctorate in waiting, didn't they? For 40 years, they wandered in the desert. You know, they left Egypt. They had this high expectation of what God was going to do. They heard about the promised land, right? They were so pumped about it. But if you ever look on a map from where Egypt was to like where Jordan was and where the promised land was, it was like there's no way it should have taken 40 years. They're actually wandering around in circles. And the truth is this is I don't believe that was God's intention for them. I think what happened is, is that in their waiting, they got frustrated, right? And they're waiting, they begin to question God. In their waiting, they actually begin to sin and do things that were contrary to God. And so what did God do? He extended their time. Because God is more focused on what he's doing in you through the process and the waiting than where he's taking you to. Because where he's taking you to, he's going to bring you through and he's going to bring you to that place. And I believe that all my life. But a lot of times I can delay that process because I'm not willing to wait. And so it's not just about your willingness to wait. It's also about your willingness to wait well, to trust the Lord. You know, in Joshua 3, 15, it says it was the harvest season. This is really important. And the Jordan, it says, was overflowing its banks. So, so they come to the Jordan, not just at any old season, but a season where everything is flooding like for a mile wide, like now if you go to Israel, like it's all been taken care of and they figured out a way, they're adding drainage just like this over here. This is why we're doing drainage, right? They've added all these things. And so you wouldn't see it now, but back then they didn't have that. And during the flood season, everything would be flooding over a mile wide over the banks. So this is not one, some ordinary river. This was an, a river that was rushing through. This is a river that was bringing trees down with it. Come on, you've seen some rivers, right? It's like a houses. You can take out so many different things. And so they're coming to a season at the Jordan where it's at its worst stage. Why would God do that? Why, why does God do that in our lives a lot of times? Why would he bring him there during the flood season? Listen, I want to give you a deep theological truth today, and I want you to write this down because it's so important. You ready for it? Miracles aren't miracles unless they're miraculous. Come on. I know you came to church just for that one right there. And faith isn't faith unless you can do it on your own, unless it's impossible, unless you have to believe God for it. What are you believing God for today? What are you trusting God for today? We get one shot to live this life. And God is saying, I'm going to put you through a waiting process so that you can develop faith. You can develop trust. You can develop dependence on me and not dependence on yourself. 
God puts them right next to this river to say to them, listen, I, wanna, I want you to get this in your heart. I want you to know that you can't do this on your own. Sometimes God will do that. Sometimes God will have you sit with your problem until you say, you know what, God? I've tried all the options, and I cannot do this without you. You know, maybe you came to church today, right? And you saw the, the parking was an obstacle. You know, you wait a little while, it's gonna look very different, right? And that in-between stage can be a little uncomfortable. You gotta park on the grass, you gotta park in different places and all these things. But what God is doing and producing in the waiting, he's preparing us for where he's about to bring us. And at this point right here in Joshua 3, it says that at the end of three days, he says the officers went through the camp giving these instructions. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, he says you are to move out from your location right there and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark and do not go near it. He wanted them to keep this distance so that he can that the Israelites could actually see what the Lord was about to do. And how many know that whenever God's about to do something, we want God to go before us, amen, instead of us going before God. It's so much better what the outcome's gonna look like when God actually takes the lead in our life and he shows us the way because there's gonna be things he's gonna bring us through that we have no idea how to navigate, but if we keep our eyes fixed on him, we keep our gaze fixed on him, it doesn't matter the terrain, it doesn't matter the obstacle, it doesn't matter the impossibility. If we focus on where he's leading and we follow, he will bring us through it because he always does. And you know, as I was really going through this message, it really hit me. It hit me that the Ark of the Covenant was actually with the people the whole time until it was time to move. And I feel like the Lord just wanted me to say this today before we move on. You may be in a waiting season right now, but he wanted me to say, tell my people they're not waiting for me. They're actually waiting with me. That he's a God that never leaves us, never forsakes us. He's a God that sits with us. And then when it's time to take the next step, he's a God that leads us in that next step. And so not only is it our willingness to wait the system for a move of God, here's the next one. We've got to choose to live holy. Now listen, I feel like holiness has been given a bad rap, okay? I feel like it has. If, if you've been raised in the church, you might get this. If you haven't, then, then maybe you'll hear me on this, but I feel like holiness has been given a bad rap, right? Holiness has been equated to like, you can't wear any makeup, right? You gotta wear long dresses. You can't play cards. You can't go to dances, right? Like you can't smoke, you can't chew, you can't go with girls who do. Come on, you know that. You know that. You've heard that about holiness. My grandmother, I used to visit her in the summers all the time. And I remember in the summers, I wanted to go see a movie. She was living in Niagara Falls. She's like, you can't go to the movies. I'm like, why can't I go to the movies? That's what she would tell me. She goes, because if Jesus returns and the rapture comes, you're going to hit the ceiling on the way up. And I believed it. And I didn't want to go to movies anymore. And you know, it's funny, a lot of times we can equate the weirdest things with this term holiness, right? But here's what Joshua says. He says, Joshua says to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders among you. This word right here is very important. It's this word consecrate. And what he's saying is, I want you to be ready. The word consecrate actually is the word kadesh in Hebrew. And it means holy. And holy means other. It means sacred. It means set apart. And the word is used to describe the presence of God actually in Isaiah when the cherubim are saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It is a set apartness. It means to live differently. And so when Joshua is saying, consecrate yourselves, here's, here's how I would say it, actually. I say, consecration means this. 
It's separation from anything that would contaminate your relationship with God. Let me read that again, because I think this is so important for us, church, as believers especially. Separation from anything that would contaminate your relationship with God. So why live holy? Here's, wh here's why I would say it. Here's how I say it. Holiness attracts the presence of God. This is not a, if you're saved or not saved kind of a conversation. That's a whole nother conversation, right? This is about when you choose to do things the way that God, or the way that it honors God, Man, you have more of the presence of God in your life. You have more of the power of God in your life because holiness actually attracts the presence of God. If you want to see God do a miracle in your life before that happens, there are times where we're going to have to say, God, I'm going to get rid of anything that would hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to get rid of anything that would dishonor you. I'm going to get rid of anything that would diminish your presence in my life because I want to see you move and I want to see your power in my life. And some of us believers are wondering, why are we not seeing God's work in our lives the way that we want to? And the truth is, as long as you're allowing things in your life that you know are diminishing God's presence, things that don't honor him, you will see a lack of power in your life. And so Joshua says to the people, before God moves, prepare yourself, consecrate yourself. You know, there's moments in our life where we're going to have to say, I want to encounter you, God, in a new way. God, I need you to do a miracle, and so I'm going to take inventory of my life. And if there's anything in my life that dishonors you, if there's anything that takes my eyes and my gaze off of you, anything that takes my eyes off your presence, I'm going to limit it because I want more of you, God. This is something that Joshua actually learned from Moses. In Exodus, it says this, chapter 19. And the Lord said to Moses, the Lord is actually instructing this to Moses. Moses instructs it to the people. Then Joshua again uses it, right? The Lord says, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And the truth is this, before Christ died, this, this cleaning or this, this ceremonial washing, this is really what it was and how you consecrated yourself, how you prepared yourself you would prepare yourself on the outside before meeting God, before people would go into the temple, right, to do sacrifices. They'd have to clean their hands. They'd have to wash their exterior body, right? But here's the New Testament says about this. Jesus has died for our sins, and Jesus has made us clean. So we're clean because Jesus is clean, okay? We are holy because he's holy. How many know that we're saved by grace through faith, and it's a gift from God, and it's nothing that we could ever do, right? We can't boast about it, but how many are thankful for the gift that we have through Jesus Christ? He is the one that's cleansed us. He's the one that's made us whole. He's the one that makes us holy. And so for us, it's actually a whole lot easier because Jesus has already done it. But here's what he's saying to you today. We still have to walk in it. We still have to live it out. And it's not so that we can earn salvation. It's so that we can attract more of his presence in our life. It's so we can walk and experience the power and the move of, of God in our life. Because God wants to move mightily in your life. But he's attracted to holiness. You know, I wrestle with how, how do I talk about this? Because I think a lot of times we can focus so much on like, okay, what are the things I'm not doing right right now? What are the things I need to not do anymore? You know, I think a lot of times when you hear holiness or consecration, I think sometimes you can think about that. And, and I, think, I think the enemy actually wants us to fix our attention on that. You're not good enough. You've screwed up. Maybe even right now you're, you're like taking an inventory of your own life. Like, what are the things I'm not doing well? And I, I feel like the Lord just, as I'm, I'm wrestling through it, I've, he put this phrase on my heart 
that maybe you know really well, but I think it's so important that when you're really trying to practice holiness, I think it comes down to this. It's choosing to do the next right thing. It's choosing to do the next right thing. You know, I, I have learned so much about my relationship with God and, and the spiritual depths of the Bible because now I'm like gardening, okay? And I'm growing grass. I know, you're gonna have to hear me talk about grass today. But I'll tell you, I've learned so much about waiting, okay, watering, pruning, all kinds of things because I'm, I'm trying to do something that is different that I've never done before. And so I have so many questions, but we can say that for another time. But if you're an expert on gardening, I want to know why my tomatoes are still green and they're not red. I need to know that at some point today. But when I was going over just grass growing in the fall, I came across this thing that just hit me. It was called weed management, right? So here's what, here's what a weed is, right? A weed is anything in your life that's choking out the goodness, right? Trying to steal, kill, and destroy what John 10 says, that the enemies come, right? To rob you of the life, the fullness of life that God has for you, right? Like, you don't have to do anything to help a weed grow, right? It just kind of grows on its own. And as I was reading this, this one phrase stood out to me, and, and I thought it was, it just hit me so well. And it says, it's more important in this season to grow and green grass than it is to kill weeds, and how that hit me was, it made me realize, I feel like the Lord is saying, I want my people just to focus on growing greener grass. I want my people to focus on getting closer to me in my presence. So maybe for you, growing greener grass is, is, is you actually taking a Sabbath this week, right? Taking time to be before the Lord. You know, James says, when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. Maybe for you this week, it's actually opening up your word and maybe studying and reading a little longer and waiting for God to speak to you in ways that you haven't before. Maybe in your life, it's you saying, you know what, I'm gonna separate some time on a regular basis to get before the Lord because I know that there's obstacles in front of me and there's things he's bringing me through that I still cannot wrap my mind around how I'm gonna get through them and I'm gonna trust God for that. I believe that God wants to do some things in and through us. In fact, I love how 2 Corinthians says it. It says, therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you, and I will be your fathers, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty, because we have these promises, dear friends. Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. You know, the word for church is actually ekklesia. It's the, it's the ones called out of is what it means in Greek. Like the body of Christ. Like we are the ones called out of. And it doesn't mean that we have to isolate ourselves from the world. But we have to become identifiably different than the world that we live in. You see, the word tells us to be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I want you to know today that the Lord is transforming you by the renewing of your mind. The more and more we surrender to him, the more and more we become more in like him. And I want you to know that it does take work. In fact, Hebrews says it like this, work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. And when you work at living a holy life, it actually attracts the presence of God in your life. And he begins to set you up for the things that he wants to do and how he's going to work mightily through your life. So we have to recognize and know here is what the reward is. The reward is more of God in our lives. If you want more of God in your life, Begin to take an inventory of the things that you do. 
And this is what Joshua is saying to the people. He's saying the Lord is going to move. The Lord is going to do great things. So while you wait, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take an inventory of the things that you're watching, the things that you're letting in on the inside, because what comes into your heart comes out of your mouth, and what comes out of your mouth comes back into your heart. And so he's saying to him, this is what I want you to do. Prepare yourself, because the Lord's going to do astonishing things in your life. So not only should we wait, not only should we choose to live holy, but here's the last thing we got to do. We have to learn how to walk boldly. We got to learn how to walk boldly because movement sets us up for a miracle. Think about this. They parked at the Jordan and they're hearing the waters in the flood season and they're raging and God is saying to them, I'm going to do wonders among you. He's going to part the Jordan, right? But I want you to take notice is that the Jordan doesn't part until they do what? They move. In fact, Joshua 3, it says right here, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. This is such a miraculous thing. It piled up in a heap of great distance away. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So when they broke camp, did the rivers part? Nope. When the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God, went before them and they were about a thousand yards away from them, is that when the rivers parted? Nope. It was when they chose to take that step into the water that the rivers began to part. Church, I want you to know today that God is calling us to walk boldly, especially in a time that we live in now where boldness is lacking. The Lord is calling us to be a people of faith that would trust him for the impossible things in our life. Now, if you can imagine for a moment, because honestly, if you're facing an obstacle that only God can overcome, it's, it is hard to get moving before you see God move. Oftentimes, if that was us, you know, we might be camped and we, we might sit at, at the Jordan. We're so excited for tomorrow, right? Man, because God is going to move. And you know what? When God moves, man, I'm going to move. I can't wait. Can you believe that? God's going to move. We're going to see him move. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait to get on that train. And once that train goes, I'm going with that train. And we could even say it spiritually, right? We could be like, God, I'm securely planted in your promises. And when you move, I'm going to move. But you know what? That's not what God's saying here. God's saying, no, no, I want you to take the first step. Because there's some amazing things that I'm going to do when you meet me exactly where faith requires you to meet me, which is to take a step of faith into something that looks completely impossible. And it is in that moment that God began to move. Can you think about just even like they're breaking camp, right? They're getting ready and, 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 you know, for parents, it's even a miracle just to get your kids in the car. Come on, you know, it's a miracle in itself. And you get the kids in the car, right? And Timmy's in the back and he's like, but dad, I thought that Jordan was going to part. And you're like, you know what? I got you buckled in that seat. We're not going to unbuckle and do this whole thing over again. We're going because that's where God says we're going. And that's what we're going to do. Or you think about the priests, right? They're carrying the ark. The priests themselves... They're still human. They're carrying the ark and they're stepping up to the water's edge and they're like, okay, are we really gonna do this right now? Because I see trees floating by and I, 
I see all kinds of just mess, and this is raging. Like, we're at flood season. But I, I guess this is what we're going to do. And they step into that water, and they begin to see a miraculous thing take place in their life. Movement set them up for the miraculous. And I believe there are some people here today that are facing an obstacle that the only way that you can get through it is to trust God for it. Because he said it, he would do it, and I trust him to do it. Think about in that campground, just like we heard last week. There's this anthem, this theme that, that the Lord placed in Joshua's heart. And I believe that anthem and that theme not only rings to those who are parked at the Jordan, but it rings out to us today, and that is, don't be afraid. Fear not. Be courageous. And know that the Lord your God is with you. And wherever you put your feet, the Lord your God will be there. You know, if you're facing a tribulation today, if you're facing an obstacle, if you're facing something that doesn't make sense, if it's hard for you to wait, if you're in a place where you're like, I'm not really sure how to take my next step, I want you to understand this. New Testament says that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. So whatever your tribulation is, whatever your obstacle is right now, I want you to understand this. It is designed to give you hope. And today, I believe the Lord is saying that he wants you to leave this place as people of faith that are rising in hope today. And no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're walking through, thus saith the Lord, be strong and courageous. Do not fear, for the Lord your God is with you. Would you stand with me today? We're going to respond and worship. But before we do that, I want to pray with you because I know that God has uniquely given all of us a relationship with him that I believe indicates to him what's happening in your life. So what I mean by that is that no matter what's happening in your life right now, no matter what you're facing, God is not moved by it. He's not surprised by it. He's fully aware of it all. And what the Lord wants to do is he wants to see faith arise. He wants to see faith arise in your lives. He wants to see hope increase. He wants you to walk out of here no matter what it looks like with your head held high, recognizing and knowing if God said he'll do it, then we're going to believe him for it. Would you lift your hands like this as we pray? Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, for your presence. God, I thank you for the, the things that you've spoken to us today. That God, we're not waiting for you. We're waiting with you. That God, you've given us all that we need. You've placed it within our reach. And so, God, if there's a spirit of fear on anybody in the room right now, God, in this room, I pray against that spirit of fear. Because, God, you've not given us a spirit of fear. You've given us a sound mind, Jesus. If there's anybody in this room right now that's struggling with some things and it's been hard to break addictions or it's been hard to break things over their life, Holy Spirit, it's not a five-step process. Right now, in this moment, you can break things over our lives, God, that cause us to become more and more holy, that cause us to become more and more like you, God. If there's people in this room where they are afraid to take their next step, Jesus, I pray they would leave out of here boldly knowing that you are a God that is with them, you are a God that is for them, and that, Father, they don't need to wait until you move, but when they take that step, they're going to see the mighty, miraculous power of God working in their life. Father, we love you, and we thank you, Jesus, and we celebrate all that you're going to do, all the stories are going to come, 
Lord, as we get to the end of our life, Jesus, as we, as we survey all that you've done, Lord, we'll get to a place and we'll remember, I trusted you for things that I never thought I could trust you for. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone says amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship together.